Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast, presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host, Zay, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself. I got my guy, Fantasy Guru, Young Vander. Holla at the people. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And the rookie resource aficionado, Bro Joe. Holla at him, my guy. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, we got your news and notes going to put together the perfect fantasy league for you. Kind of give our opinions on uh, which options we would choose, how we would go about putting things together to bring about the best overall fantasy experience. For a lot of you guys that are going to be starting, you know, first year dynasties, we'll give you a few things to think about that maybe weren't on your radar. As always for your redraft guys, you know, you have plenty of time to consider what it is you're going to do to make your league a little bit better this year, but we're going to break that all down in this episode. Let's go ahead and hop right into your news. And now your fantasy news. Not a whole lot of breaking news or news of importance, but a few things that have gone on this week. Brian Hoyer inked a deal with the Raiders, so it looks like he's going to be following Josh McDaniels, kind of a veteran presence, whatever the case may be. Not much else going on with quarterbacks other than stuff that was already going on. Um, Still no traction as far as Lamar is concerned. I did hear that Jalen Hurts is on the verge of signing somewhere in the neighborhood of four-year, 190, somewhere, you know, on that road. So we'll see how that goes. But I can't think of much else going on with quarterbacks. Um, Am I missing anything with quarterbacks that you guys have heard this week? Uh, Nothing seemed like really big. The Raiders, didn't they sign a Hoyer as a backup? So I guess they're bringing another Patriot, a former Patriot. But as far as that, I haven't really heard anything, you know, really of significance. Moving on to running back, Austin Eckler could remain with the Chargers. They're trying to figure out how this thing could possibly work, while at the same time, they have given him permission to seek a deal. Now, this was... I want to say like last month that they kind of gave him the opportunity to kind of seek other suitors. No one else, kind of the same as with Lamar, has jumped out there and said, yeah, we're willing to pay what you're asking for. So there's a chance that the market may have kind of helped Eckler a little bit decide to remain a charger. It kind of reminds me a little bit of his predecessor, uh, Melvin Gordon, kind of went through the same thing with the team where he was just like, you know, I'm going to bet on myself. And then the, you know that bet didn't quite work out because what they were offering was actually – market value even possibly a little bit more than what the market was offering based on what he ended up taking so austin necker could remain a charger how you guys feeling about this situation being that he uh he's given permission to seek a trade it's, it's maybe likely that he won't be a charger i think at this point in his career he's probably a little bit ahead and maybe a little less wear and tear than gordon was at the point in his career when the whole thing went down with him uh, in my opinion i think this guy still has a lot of value 
especially in the passing game. But being that he's out here to seek a trade, this is still a few running back needy teams out here that he could pretty much blow the lid off the cover if they were to acquire his talent. Um, so don't be surprised. I mean, uh, this, this can get really scary. You know what I mean? Because there's some teams out here, especially these two Super Bowl teams, that's maybe still looking for running back help. We've seen that a team like the Chiefs, they likely may lose McKinnon. Don't seem I think very. McKinnon's a free agent. That's what I'm saying. They like he's gonna probably lose him. Not really high on Ceh. Ronald Jones is gone. Pacheco, he's good. He's there, but there's already been rumblings of another running back coming into play. Right? What a weapon he would be with a team like that. Now, he's in division, so and he's in division, sure. so maybe it's a little unlikely. But also teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. There's been talks of bringing a running back in there. They lost Miles Sanders, and other guys are just guys, right? This thing can get really spooky. A talent like Eklund, a few teams out here. I agree 100%. But the thing is, they gave him permission now about a month ago, and there's been no traction from anyone, even with rumors of saying that they, you know, may be going after him. So I'm thinking maybe his market isn't quite as large as he and his agent may have thought it would end up looking like. I wouldn't quite go off that. I mean, because look at a lot of things that's going on, right? There's a few other few other guys. We got Fournette out there. We got Kareem Hunt out there. Uh, that's a lot of guys out here without jobs. This Aaron Rodgers trade has been speak, spoke of many times. It's pretty much done, but they haven't hit the button. The thing is, we get closer to the draft, we would really know where his true value is because a lot of people like to wait to trade closer to the draft. I think sometimes it, it people- could have something to do with that June 1st date too. I know a lot of you know, for cap situations, I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I know a lot of teams end up spending a little less money if they wait to make certain moves after June 1st, too. So I don't I don't know how that may play into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I, and then again, like I say, teams tend to trade closer to the draft because a lot of times they may not end up with some of the guys they had on their board or whatever. And this, that is, it's a number of different scenarios. So I think, you know, we just live in that generation where we want instant gratification. We expect as soon as they say secret trade, you should be traded by Friday. It don't quite go that fast. So this thing could be really drawn up. There, there got to be some teams out here interested. There's no way 32 teams are not interested in the services of uh, Austin. One wide receiver had an Achilles rupture. Michael Woods, the second. And I'm not, I'm not familiar familiar with him he was apparently practicing with Deshaun Watson so I'm taking it he was a Cleveland Brown Tim Patrick is back to running routes so it's looking like he's going to be back from his knee injury at some point yeah that thing not really sticking out to me Michael Woods uh, let me see. okay it's a uh, 2022 sixth round pick that's what he he only suited up for 10 games as a rookie so that's why his name is so far. But the fact that he was the one out there practicing with Watson, I mean, it shows some initiative, but he, he tore his Achilles, unfortunately. So he's going to be done for the year. Tim Patrick. Now, this is a guy that is kind of intriguing because when he's been healthy, he's one of those guys that can kind of go up and get it. And if you put it in his vicinity, he's coming down with it. He don't drop balls. Are, are we looking at Tim Patrick maybe as a value, somebody that we can kind of, you know, dynasty leagues and things of that nature, maybe kind of go after him now while he's on the you know furthest of the back burners or is this someone that time has passed you know the injury that he suffered with the acl tear put him that much further out he's 29 years old so do we just let sleeping dogs lie or is tim patrick someone that we might want to kind of put on the end of the bench to see how it works out me personally i think he's only worth it if some moves are made you know we've been here about again judy sutton those names have been on the trade block for how long now but they haven't got moved yet that doesn't mean the one's not interested 
if one of those guys get moved, then I think his value increases. Where he currently stands, I don't think, unless there's an injury or a trade, I don't really think he has much value because the Saints did also bring in someone with some familiarity with the system, the wide receiver from the Saints. What was the name again? Is it Callaway? Callaway? Yeah, Mark Callaway. So he's there now, another guy to compete, another big body receiver as well. Like I said before, there had to be a trade, some trades or injuries in order for Tim Patrick to really have true value. One of the rumors that have been out there, and I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the quarterbacks, I've seen a whole lot of talk about apparently the Patriots were shopping Mac Jones. I even saw something that said that there still could possibly be movement on that front as far as the trade is concerned. And I can definitely see why something like that would kind of be centered around the draft of, you know, who doesn't get a guy that they thought was going to be available to them if we end up making that move. But I also saw something that, you know, said that some NFL insiders were saying that much ado about nothing and it was just due diligence as it would be for any other player as far as Jones was concerned. What side of the map are you guys on with this? And Do you think it would make sense for the Patriots to send him elsewhere, wherever elsewhere may be? And is this contingent on whether or not the Raiders can get their guy with their first round pick? Because I'm, I'm kind of feeling like if the Raiders don't get their rookie with the well, no, because they got Jimmy now, but that was one of the places where they were talking about him going. But help me unravel this. I think it's a little bit of a culmination everything right but let's also look at the off you know the on the field incidents that happen you know and things that happen and also with bill belichick i think you said that bill belichick don't do this but i think sometimes bill belichick you know really when he does something i think you got to kind of pay into light and i really think like you know what i mean mac jones really isn't in his favor i mean the incident with the getting into with the you know the staff which i understand they all defensive coordinators nonetheless he got into it with them he saw you know outside help from alabama you know alabama staff and learning the offense he was just in a to me it wasn't his fault what happened this season so there's a lot of frustration having an inept offense but at the same time it's just how he kind of conduct himself the difference of you know zappy and what he was able to do on the field i really think it plays a part of it too considering that regression he had his second year i you know, I think they go. They go, they're they're actively shopping him, but I, you know, I also think it's also part of the process as well too. Like where they at in the draft? Where are you going to give up to move up in the draft? You know, to get anybody of that sort. I don't know. I put into it, but I don't put too much into it. But I mean, okay, did we not expect him to regress when we have a defensive coordinator as the offensive coordinator? When you just change offensive coordinators, there's normally a regression, and from quarterbacks that are much further along in their career than he is. So when you make a defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, and it's only his second year in the NFL. Did we not expect the regression? Like I don't, I don't understand <laughs> the logic of thinking he was supposed to get better, or the offense was supposed to take off with a defensive coordinator. I don't get it. Like why, why would you expect for him not to be? I tell you what, if the shoe was on the other foot and Bill Belichick brought in the guys that he thought were. were going to be able to you know make this thing pop and then they couldn't press go they couldn't get started how frustrated would he be so i mean i mean i'm just saying like i, I don't know yeah and no, i get that a thousand percent i think that that's a huge point to make is that like i would see the frustration in that as well too but it's it, it's it has to be something there right i think you know they they he did well as rookies so they did very impressive i think he had a really good grasp of the offense and having that continuity go from one year to the next would have been a, really helpful to his development and i think that that was the weird part too because there were reports where it's like Bill Belichick didn't get a coordinator because that person would have went on to become a head coach and then he'll be looking 
for another coordinator yet again. It's, so it's, it's, it's too much other underlying layers to it, but it has to be some truth to it. I think he's still a good quarterback. I think Bill O'Brien is, is the right way to go. It really is what he needs, really, to kind of get back to where he was. I don't I don't think the regression was his fault, more so like, like we all know, the elephant in the room, playing under a defensive coordinator. You ask him to do what the offense tells him to do, he could be go right back to being a Pro Bowl caliber type of player, in my opinion. I wouldn't think too much of moving him. You know, we'll see. The other thing that's going on with the Patriots, there's a little bit of uh, news out there saying that Bill Belichick and the staff are looking at Mike Gusecki as the move tight end. He's looking to be the guy that's going to kind of be the the pass catcher. It's even been noted that they're going to look at him as a quote-unquote receiver, not tight end. Is this just April scuttlebutt, or could he possibly be taking over the passing role that Hunter Henry was successful with? Sound like he's going to be playing the Aaron Henry. Mendez role. Okay, 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field? Yeah, for sure, but just being okay. that kind of, remember how they used to play Hernandez where it wasn't quite, it's more oh, like, like a backfield and everything. He's back in a way, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So He did it all. <laughs> yeah, right, so maybe they see him more like that, you know what I'm saying? Pretty versatile. They can move him around a lot, just like Aaron, so maybe they're going to kind of go back to that. And then, think about it, with the OC that they have now, he was the OC there when this whole thing was top-notch. It makes sense. I don't know the Gronk role, who that's going to be. Maybe a uh, Henry. I'm pretty sure you would see a, a ton of 12 personnel this year with the Patriots. And I can't believe I was about to forget one of the things that kind of stood out the most. I saw a rumor today that the Jets might not get this thing done with Aaron Rodgers. And right now, waiting in the wings are the 49ers. It's looking like they have less and less trust in Lent. They've even gone as far as saying he and Sam Darnold would split first team reps in camp when camp starts uh, and, and Purdy's still on the mend. So is this credible at all? Is this something that we should be paying any attention to on both fronts? The fact that Rodgers could end up with the 49ers. And I think almost as importantly, if not more importantly, what do the Jets do? I know they had kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge in place saying that if things fell through with Rodgers, that they were going to reach out to the Rams and the Rams would be more than willing to move on from Matthew Stafford. But there could be some dominoes really changing the game um, as they fall, depending on what happens with just that one man. So have you heard about this? And do you think there's any truth to it? I'd rather be with you. Yeah. Said I'd rather be with you. Man, look at man. <laughs> look at man. They better stop playing like that. <laughs> Don't play like that. <laughs> I'm put you like this, right? It definitely could be some truth of this for a couple reasons. Number one, we already know San Fran is these are California kids. You know, Aaron Rodgers is like Tom Brady. These guys have dreams of being 49er quarterbacks since kids. Montana guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So with him being already interested in that in that program, being that the quarterback situation with the 49ers is just like a question mark at this point. Um, again, Brock Purdy came and played well, but he's contract friendly and you don't really know how long his, you know, healing process is going to take. Trey Lance, I'm looking like buyer's remorse at this point. Right. Um, he's looking like he's about to be a Titan. For real, for real. You know or, I mean? or maybe a Jet, depending on how it Or, or maybe a Dolphin. You know what I mean? So don't forget. Or, or, yeah, true. Or, or maybe a Houston Texan. You know what I'm saying? Like the 49ers' uh, umbrella stretch pretty far as far yeah. as, you know, guys that left and teams that also are needy at the quarterback position. With that being said, I think you never know. This whole thing is really playing out pretty drawing out, you know, as far as between the two teams. And then 
at the same time with Rodgers, 49ers have some guys that's uh, of value to them. I know we're hearing things like in the Jets trade, a uh, wide receiver being attached to that trade for Rodgers. Right, think was, you know what I mean? right. It was going to be Corey and, Davis. I'd rather have right. that you. For real, for real. Now, you, now you're talking about Easily. Like, them knowing that they have to pay Ayuk. He's coming up and that they already went and paid Debo. One of these guys got to go. Don't know oh, hell, honestly, i go ahead and send Debo. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, but, but now that you got a running back and you don't have to run him as much as you did, maybe he don't get hurt as much as he did, too. And he's right. he's more talented. He was just, you know, more injured. Maybe you do hold on to Debo now that you got McCaffrey and Mitchell in the backfield. Right. You got options is what I guess what it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, I think it's possible. Nothing has been done in New York. We'll see. I mean, it's a waiting, it's a waiting game, but I wouldn't say no. I'll tell you that. It's, it's highly likely. And that pretty much wraps up your news. We're going to go ahead and put together the perfect fantasy league. All right, good people. So there are going to be a lot of leagues that are going to be put together. There are going to be several things that are at the forefront of your mind. There are also going to be several things that maybe you didn't consider. We're going to kind of go through each category of putting together a league and kind of give you our insight on why we would do things a certain way. Or if, you know, it's a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other situation, buyer's preference, if you will. And there are a few things that I'm pretty sure I'm dead set against that um, the guys may not care about one way or the other and vice versa but we're going to kind of give our rhyme and reason for why we do what we do to put together the leagues that we want to put together and first up and this is a doozy right off top finding the right owners how do you make sure that you have the right mix of those willing to will and deal, those that are willing to show up and take part in the chat and kind of keep conversation going and keep the league alive, even if they don't necessarily make a whole lot of trades? Guys that are active on the waiver, um, that are good drafters in the initial draft and in the rookie drafts each additional year that end up not really having to make moves. So you can't really be mad at them. What are you trying? What type of person are you? looking for who are you shunning as you make your decisions who's the right owner who's the wrong owner in a dynasty league this is year long this is like a year-long thing so you definitely want to get guys that are active that's going to be like you said before you don't have to trade sign and drop players every single day but it's good to have guys that's engaged year long as far as football is concerned because things change all the time so it's good guy to have those type of guys in your league in a redraft league it's a little more week to week so you know you still want guys engaged but at the same time you know it's a little different some guys are more focused just during the season but it really takes a special kind of guy to think and live football year round if you have a dynasty league, these are the kind of guys that you definitely want to uh, go hard for or have in your league for it to be successful. The most important thing, like when finding like who's going to be league owners, is honestly, just finding out what's most competitive. I think that's the good thing about playing redraft with people. And then more times than not, you play with people year in and year out, the same people over and over. And you just see those traits and tendencies of players who owners rather who are going to be pretty well. I think. You know, having somebody who's not just football savvy because, you know, it's two different savvies, right? What you go, what you can see on Sunday and then what you got to proactively do throughout the fantasy week because it's, it's seven days in fantasy a week and not just a game on, you know, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, well, Sunday and Monday. So I think that's really, you know, having distinguishing too because some people will make a move for the player that doesn't make – that's not – doesn't make sense relative to fantasy so just having somebody who's who has a good sense of both and then you know just trying to build around 
I don't think activity means as much, but I think, particularly in Dynasty, you would prefer it more often than not. But going back to something Van said before, like sometimes the quiet ones are, you know, still, you know, the tacticians, you know, that you kind of still need, who's going to make the team the right way, develop the, their team the right way, and they're going to come out and win 10, 11 games a season. I'll take that too. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, it's a little bit of both. I just think, you know, just try to have fun with that. I think make sure you have people who are highly competitive to that's going to want to push a championship and not just fall into, you know, growing a team, developing a team. Nah, I want somebody who want to win a championship, not play the long game uh, either. Next up, draft type. A couple different options here. You have your standard draft. You have your auction draft. You have your slow drafts. I've not done an auction draft before. Have you guys ever done an auction draft? I did and hated it. Nah, yeah. I, it, it didn't seem like something I would be uh, interested in, so I never did it. I kind of want to do it just for the sake of maybe, maybe not even a team that I you know keep for a year or whatever, but maybe just – I don't even know if there are mock auction drafts, but I just kind of want to do it for the sake of having the experience of it. But I kind of prefer having the standard draft. I guess the other option here is whether it's live or whether it's online. Everyone has access to online, and a lot of times you aren't in the same location. I would love to be able to have a live draft. It's a little bit more logistics and things of that nature that kind of go into it. But now I'll play, you know, kind of the other side, if you will. The one thing that I can see an auction draft doing is making a situation where you got to know who you like and what your budget is for them. Because the way the auction draft works is you put a player up when it's your turn to draft. Not that you're drafting that player, but that you're going to start the bid on that player. So let's say I may put somebody like a... Let's say I put Devontae Smith up in the first round as the guy that I'm throwing out there. Maybe I'm just throwing him out there to kind of throw off other people's scent, try to get people to spend a grip of money before the guys that I would actually want come up. It gives everyone an opportunity at every person versus it just being luck of the draw. So I can kind of see that being one positive or one plus if you were able to go that route. But I would only want to do it live. I wouldn't want to do it online, I don't think. I got to say, with auction draft, from my experience, like auction, you have to be even more methodical because you run out of money so fast. The people nominate, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Jeffersons, knowing that a lot of people going to throw a third of their bankroll on automatically on players like that. Like, it got to the point, like sometimes people are spending a dollar or two dollars on like a Deontay Johnson or a good player all because everybody ran out of money or everybody was saving their money to get a position. Right. Exactly. So I, I think but I like every, it. But everybody has the chance to get who they want. So that's why I would, it's a whole nother layer of strategy. And I can only imagine it's a whole lot of trading in those leads because you, you know, you might have messed around and been one of those persons that spin up on this one guy and you realize, well, I got to diversify my team or I'm going to be stuck. I, I don't know. It, it would just be something different. I'm kind of open to trying anything in fantasy once. Yeah, I think the live element to it, though, I'd be I'd be interested in doing it in either format, redraft or dynasty. But I think, like you said, something like that would have to be live because you can play into it a lot more and the reactions during the draft is going to be even stupid. Now let's look at scoring type, right? So you have your standard, you have your PPR, half point PPR, tight end premium leagues, 
I've seen some leagues where you get a point for each first down. And, you know, I've, I've seen several different variations of scoring and things of that nature. But for me, I like PPR. I think it opens up the player pool quite a bit. But I only like PPR if it runs along with Flex, which will be something else that we'll talk about in just a second. But for me, out of all of the options available, I think standard is kind of antiquated at this point. PPR is almost the quote unquote standard now. Um, if you go start a league with like Yahoo or Sleeper or whomever, that their uncustomized way of doing it would be PPR. You would have to actually change it to standard now. So that kind of lets you know where the masses are. But how do you guys feel as far as like tight end premiums or half point, full point or standard league scoring types? You know me, I'm more of an old school guy. I like standard. <laughs> That's just my thing. You know, I, mean, I prefer to be in a standard league. PPR is cool. It's okay. I don't really play it. You know, I can adjust to any format, but to me, I, I like standard better. I mean, with PPR, it just makes a lot of guys, like you said, it kind of expand the league a lot more. It makes guys who are not relevant, relevant. Because, I mean, you got these guys that catch a lot of balls. They don't get a lot of touchdowns, but in the PPR league, they're more relevant now. So it really expands uh, the, the, the type of the number of guys that you actually have on your team or be interested in, things like that. So I think the biggest part <laughs> of it is, is it allows for larger leagues. In a 10-man league, Standard is fine. If you're in the 12, 14, 16, you oh, yeah, run yeah. out of guys real quick. No, nah, for sure. Quick. I agree totally. Uh, any 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 other league that has anything other than just standard scoring, I'm really not a fan of. You know, I'm not. I don't want extra points for first downs and bonuses for this. And if you get at least 200 yards, you get this bonus. Now those leagues like that, I stay away from them. I think it gets hard to keep up with. It's like it does, I don't even man. know why I just lost today. Like what? What just happened? Like, right. or I don't know. I don't even know why I won today. Just, you got leagues out here that get, I can calculate in my head. You like, got leagues that give points for kickoff return yardage. You just get yeah, out of control. When it gets yeah. to that point, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm just a standard guy. You know, um, I'm okay with the touchdown passes being six besides four. If that's a thing, you know, I'm cool with yeah, that. I'm, yeah, I'm cool. But with other that. than that, I mean, just the standard scoring is good for me. Now, you actually just brought up something that I didn't have on here to discuss, but just so we're all on the same page, what Vander was talking about is you can have a setup where you get six points for a passing touchdown or you get four points for a passing touchdown. And you always get six for a rushing touchdown. My thing is this, in order to not diminish the quarterback role, I think it only makes it fair for a passing touchdown to count for a quarterback as much as a rushing touchdown does, because I don't think you should get extra points for being a running back because you're a quarterback, if that makes sense. So a touchdown is a touchdown is a touchdown. That's kind of how we look at that. Do you look at it any differently, Joe? I like the four points in the six and six. I I, I think they're good for rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown. They get the yards anyway, so they get like the point two five, or having people measured out like for twenty five yards or whatever. So I think on the back end, you get a reward for throwing a deeper pass, or if you throw a strike that's you know longer than you know a certain amount of yards, it kind of gets you to six um, in that regard. So I like I like the four point strategy, honestly, for me to reward the running quarterback for not being good at throwing the ball. So Exactly. And then what ends up happening is you have a a few guys that end up being overvalued, not because they're better quarterbacks, but because they run the ball. So, I mean, it's another layer of strategy in there, no matter which direction you go. And I don't think with it, there's a quote-unquote right or wrong. But as far as the quarterback scoring is concerned, I kind of like to make it a little bit more even for the guys that pass the ball as well as the guys that 
run the ball in. Looking at how you set up the roster itself, as far as it pertains to Superflex and Flex, what's your position on both? Is there a reason why you would go with one and not the other? Is there a certain league type? As Vanda, as you were saying before, normally you won't go with the leagues that have the goofy scoring. As far as Superflex or Flex is concerned, is there a preference there as well and a reason behind it? Yeah, I think you should approach a, a super flex lead as a two quarterback lead because essentially that's what it is. I mean, even though you are, you know, allowed. I, I, I thank you for bringing that up because I didn't throw that in there. And just for you guys that may be hearing these terms for the first time, super flex means that you can put in a quarterback or you could put any other person there. Two quarterback means it has to literally be two quarterbacks. So there's a distinction there because then you have to have backups on your bench when it's a two quarterback versus if you want to play high and loose and only have, you know, two guys as far as quarterbacks are concerned on your bench and not have any other backups and the super flex, you can do that because if somebody gets hurt, you can, you know, throw in a running back or wide receiver, whatever the case may be. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to make sure for anyone that's new to fantasy that you understood exactly what we were talking about. Right. Uh, so essentially, it's a two quarterback league because most people they tend to look at the super flex as another quarterback spot especially being that the quarterback is a guy that tends to score the most points me i'm okay i, I like two quarterback leagues in smaller sizes of you know maybe an eight team or ten team league i'm okay with a two quarterback that makes um, sense because the player it, pool ain't but so big right so, yeah. I, I think once you get to the 12 and that you know it gets a little wild so that's why it's you see the super flexes and the flexes. That makes uh, sense, but yeah. As far as every other position, I mean, standard, what? Two running backs, three wide receivers. With the other flex positions, it pretty much is up to the league. I like leagues that's just two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, a kicker, defense, I'm cool. Then you got guys like Zay who don't like kickers. I'm okay with kickers. We're going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with them. Yeah, they, 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 can, they can win you games. They can lose. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, like the, the element, I like the element of the surprise of it all, though, right? It's Damn no different surprise. Than, <laughs> it's no different than defense, though, because, I mean, at the same time, I, 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 that, I agree. I, I, didn't, I don't he, mind getting rid of both, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah, so I, I like that. I like this the standard setup, me personally. Let me ask yeah, you this. Does your yeah. opinion change depending on the bench size? Because for me, <laughs> if it's a shorter bench, I'm with you. The additional positions and all that can kind of, you know, kind of get a bit much. But if you have a really long bench, you know, versus the standard bench size, I think you kind of need additional starters to really see whose team is the best. Because if everybody's just playing the best of the best, it's a lot more forgiving versus if you have to play more guys and now you have to go a little bit deeper into that bench to find your guys. I think it makes for a more competitive league. But again, I can see both arguments. I, I think a bench in a, in a redraft league, you know, it's going to be probably a little shorter. You know, there's two sides of the coin when it comes to benches. One, you can hoard guys, hold them, block other players in the league from getting them. Also use the deeper bench to stir up more traffic as far as making trades with those guys. If you have, you know, really good guys on your bench, at the same time with a shorter bench, you have really good guys available on free agency at all times. So it's it kind of depends on how you know, want to swing it. Like, and that, that's what I mean by more more forgiving because right. if you screwed up your draft there shouldn't be three starters waiting for you to fix your mistake there should be some penalty for that so that's why i say you know longer bench and start more people because if i can just every week pick up two or three guys that have the best matchup that are on the waiver i think it makes the draft less important at that point i like the shorter bench. i like the the shorter that's why but that's the reason i, I don't mind the bench being big 
I like the shorter roster spaces for that reason, because you really have to make a decision on who do I play. When you got a, a roster space that's seven, eight guys, that's not just the standard spots, then you can just, you know, you play what you got. But when it's shorter, when you only have two running backs, three wide receivers, you really got to make some decisions. Like, do I really want to play this guy? I mean, I've, I've been sitting there in years past. I remember this so vividly when Darrell Revis was on his run and I had Julio Jones. Julio was going against the Jets. You Guess what I did? I benched Julio that week. But these are the kind of decisions that you would be more. It's, that's a harder decision to make. Do I do this or not? But if it was a bigger roster, I would play him anyway. <laughs> I would have I'd be forced to play him because I know I'm not going to have that many guys better than him on my bench, if that makes sense. So. I like the element of the shorter rosters because it really puts you in a position and a pickle to really be a good coach and, and really figure out the guys that you, you know, the, the matchups, who you're really going to play there. And I can definitely respect that. And what I would present is the opposite and equal to that versus it being a tough decision on who to play. I think it's a lot more telling if you will when everybody that you play every week is close to all the quote-unquote starters that you have and then it's really is my team better than yours not was i able to make a better choice this week than you and then by the end of the season it's a matter of in the totality of my team was i able to put up more points than everybody else based on the talent i was able to accumulate kind of the same as in the nfl or is it a was i able to pick the hot hand and i i think both or valid, just depending on what point you're trying to prove with your winning. But the hot hand is, I don't think that says your team is better than mine. I think that more so says you made a better decision this week than I did. Yeah. Which, which could also important. be more, what, what y'all about to say, that that could be just as important as which team is actually better. Sure. It just depends on which one not, you want to highlight. It doesn't take much skill to draft a team and it when it, you didn't make any... For instance, let's say, for instance, uh, player J, uh, this guy, a guy named Jason, whoever we want to bring up, he missed the draft, right? It auto-drafts him. It picks him a pretty solid team, auto-draft, right? Because they're going to pick the best, the best available. He didn't make any moves all season long. He won it all. W- w- what happened? He didn't do anything. He didn't, you know, he didn't have to make a conscious decision on who to play, whatever. He just said, my players are better than your players, and that's it. No, nah, I don't like that. You need to be in a position where you have to make a decision on do I play this guy, do I play this guy? You know what I'm saying? Not just what you're giving. You just play them and, oh, hell, I got the better players than you. No, that doesn't that doesn't take any skill. I think it takes more skill when you have to be put in a corner, you know what I'm saying, on who do I play. I can I, see that, but normally when you sit still, your team isn't better than what other people were able to accumulate over the season. Normally, people that aren't active, their teams, even if they started out well, a lot of different things happened throughout the season where other people were getting better and making their teams better week over week. And that person just stuck with what happened at the draft. Don't realize that that this person got hurt and that person ain't performing and this person just got set down or are usurped by the person that was supposed to be behind them. Like the, the, I can see the up and down for either. What you got on it, Joe? I agree with both with both takes, right? So going to what Vander said first, like I agree. I think sometimes fewer positions is more because it makes you have to make those decisions. Like you said, like when you got enough slots that you can start darting near anybody, regardless of the fact, you know what I mean? It kind of, you know, it's not much thought to it. Like if I got six wide receivers and I got other flex spots or whatever, 
it gives me like, you know, I, I feel like I get to more different combinations of different things, but it's not as strategic as I only got three slots. I got to think of my top, my best three receivers this week versus their matchup versus who my opponent's going to play. You know, like it's more intricate when it's fewer positions. But to the other side, to what you were speaking about, I kind of like, you know, deeper benches as well, too. I like, you know, I like I like a little bit of everything because to your point, like I don't feel like it should be a reward for people who aren't active. So I, both of y'all was talking about different things, but I like both of those aspects in those leagues, right? So I like when, like you said, deeper um, leagues. I like when you got to be as informative. You got to play the waiver wire. I love waiver wire. I love when you got to be really on your, your stuff about things in order to win. I think so many times, especially in particular in redraft, we see it a lot, where it's like you said, we all have a draft and then somebody have a decent team and then Right in free agency, it's a couple starters, right? It's a couple players that's like, you know, wide receiver two or running or flex or running back that, that week. And they have that much of it, you know, accessibility to those players. So I really do agree with that part where I like deeper benches and I also like the point too, as far as positionally matchup to matchup, I like it a fair amount of positions to go up against. I like the strategy of having to try to win it out with fewer positions. Now let's look at something that I, I don't really think too many people think too much about when starting the league um there's two things you have ir spots you have taxi squads and these are kind of like extra holding spots for those that are playing fantasy for the first time this year or for those that maybe have never used the uh, ir or taxi spots if someone get hurt or for that matter check your league settings because different leagues qualify players for the ir spot a little bit differently sometimes a suspended player can go on ir depending on league settings uh, definitely if the player's hurt in some leagues if a player is doubtful you can move them to ir which can be useful especially when you have situations where you kind of want to be careful if the, if the guy goes you want to play him but if they're doubtful and they end up not going you want to be able to kind of pick up a replacement off the waiver if possible so some leagues allow for that that you could put the doubtful guy in the IR spot and pick up somebody some don't how do you guys feel about IR spot and how do you feel about the taxi squad which the taxi squad is for rookies it's normally only for one year once the first week of the season starts if you move that player out of that taxi spot they cannot be moved back in so it kind of gives you an opportunity to quote unquote evaluate a player if you will and it also gives you the opportunity to not have to drop a vet because you drafted someone do you feel that either or shouldn't be a part of league or it's just another one of those preference type things is there a way to maximize as far as either one is concerned um with the ir and the taxi squad me personally, I don't have a preference. I just I just roll with the punches. But at the same time, if there is an IR spot, you got to use it to your advantage. Me personally, I use it as another roster spot. Again, like you said, um, injuries happen in most leagues. Once a guy goes to out, mostly doubtful, they won't let you move him. A questionable or doubtful, they will not let you move that to IR position. But once the, the O is on his name, he get that O tag where he's out. At that point, you could take him and move him to the IR spot. But then what I'll do, I'll put him out. And then I'll just go to the free agency and grab a guy, maybe a guy I'm high on, or maybe I'll grab a quarterback, a backup quarterback for the team that's playing for the night, anything, right? Who knows? Because injuries can happen. So I'm already got him on my roster. I tend to play those type of games. Zay, you already know how I get down when it comes to that. So say, fans, you got a Thursday night game and I already had a guy that's maybe out or something for the week. And I know, let's say, fans, the Raiders are playing the Broncos, right? If I got that IR spot and I got not just freed up a roster spot, I may get the two backup quarterbacks for each team just in case before the game start. 
And just in case, if one goes down, I already have the starter. If no one gets hurt, just release him after the game is over. Move on. You know what I'm saying? Go to the next step. You got to know how to challenge kind of like really use these IR spots to your advantage because it just gives you opportunity to grab a free guy. So that's how I kind of play those kind of games with it. So I'm usually a step ahead of most people when injuries happen. I already have a guy on my team. That same thing, real quick, that same thing I've seen you do with the running back <laughs> position as well. Oh, for um, sure. Running back the, position. If the, if the backup, because they're more likely to get hurt than the quarterback. So if Correct. the backup running back is available. Right. And you, like you said, you got that Thursday night game or whatever. Right. And, you know, you can already have the guy that will uh, be the guy. So, right. I definitely do it with the running backs a lot more than quarterbacks. Like you said, if there's a good handcuff that's out there on free agency and Again, like you said, running backs are more likely to go down. I already had the handcuff, you know, in the fold. Again, if the game played, no one got hurt. Hey, I just feel up another spot to drop them. And then maybe I do it for the Sunday night game. You know what I'm saying? The Monday night game. Because a lot of games you want to do it for the games that's late. During the day, you know, the one o'clock games for not so much because you have to really be paying attention to what's going on. But for those games that's kind of like singled out, like Thursday and Monday, you definitely can uh, take full advantage of that. The taxi thing, as far as the dynasty, I like the idea of it. It's pretty cool. It gives you a chance to grab some guys and, like you say, gets, you know, evaluate the talent. And you can hold them for a year or two, a couple of years or whatever, until they may be ready to play. And then you can uh, deploy them as you will. But I kind of like the idea of it. This is my first year also with the taxi squad, with the dynasty. So I like the idea of it. I have my eyes on a couple guys that probably won't get drafted because it's only a three-round draft in it for rookies. So I got some guys that are probably going to go undrafted. And I got my eyes on that. I probably throw in the taxi and just let them sit and, and you know, let them, let them sit there and marinate. And the thing I like about the taxi squad, too, especially in the offseason, is all three of us make a lot of moves. So once the pool is a little bit larger, you know, I can interchange people in that taxi squad just based on the news of the day if I want to. Until week one, you can kind of, you know, do what you want to do, move them in and out. Um, and then after that, they're there for the remainder of the time. But I definitely say maximize we all played the IR game, but when um, a few years ago, when I heard how Vander did it, it was eye-opening. I still have – this year might be the first year I try it. I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be the first year I actually try it because it's, it's so smart. It makes the most sense, right? But to your point, you just got to always be moving with something like flex, especially if, if a guy is like a Thursday night football guy or whatever, and they ruled out. You can just move forward to Sunday. Just throw them on IRR and, they get, and move forward to the best available for the next matchup, the next game, you know, set of games or whatever. I think it presents a lot of opportunity with IR, but the taxi thing is super, super, super intriguing to me, and I'm glad it's an aspect of Dynasty we're going to be trying out this year because i love the draft and then on top of that i still have my list after the draft like you said being able to play because news come out you know pacheco came out what june july right Uh, elijah mitchell came out in august Jalen warren i knew about him in like july so it's like those names you can just kind of pick up on them and stash them and then like you said if you lose you lose out on them you're not doing nothing but holding on to them for a year or up until week one you're going to be playing around and playing chess and also help you with trades because then that's another bargain and if you're somebody who had four or five draft picks you can move through them three of them to the taxi still have a roster you know preoccupied you know unpreoccupied and keep making your moves you're not just limited to you know teams that who have to draft and they got to drop somebody or however it might work out you still can manage a regular you know a veteran team with the rookies as well too so I, I like the taxi i think it's really big i really think it's gonna really help people who aren't as into like rookie players kind of take a take a flyer right that's what we really 
I think that's going to really help the insight to people to get them to take flyers on players. And then you never know. You might get the, you know, the next great player, the next good running back, or even a backup quarterback. You might get the, you know, the quarterback like a, a Zappy or something. You never, you know, just because you put them in a status somewhere. Facts. And, and, and that's a perfect name, actually, Joe, because you can have a Zappy in a taxi squad versus him having to take up a roster spot, knowing that unless there's some movement, that he's not really going to be able to do anything on your team in the near future but he has the value of what can happen tomorrow may change him from not being anything to being everything so you know how I, it's a gauge it's a range there and the taxi squad allows you to kind of play with that a little bit now this next one i've done in years past didn't really like it uh, but idp individual defensive player leagues um this is where you you know you have your regular draft with your offensive guys but there are also defensive guys in there and they score things like tackles or sacks or interceptions or you know just various defensive stats and i'm a fantasy fiend but it was just too much um it was just like too many moving parts when you had to look at there were probably somewhere between five to six you know defensive players that you had to pick from um and then you still chose a defense as well so it, it was almost like two games being played at the same time i mean i could adapt to it no, i mean no big deal I, you know i'm a chameleon as far as fantasy is concerned you tell me the rules i'll make it work but it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea have you guys ever played in an idp league or you know what, what's your thoughts on that type of concept absolutely not if i see that i'm running the other way I have no interest in drafting a single player for a defense. It's just too much. Of course, I could make the adjustment, but I don't want to. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not getting caught up in that. Like, give me Aaron Donald. I got Parsons. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it's another element that I'm just not. I'm just not a fan of it. Me but you know what though? Based on knowing the ins and outs of defenses, I could see you picking players that most people wouldn't think about that, that you know going to get a whole a whole bunch of tackles. like that. That is one of those nuances where it's not normally guys with big names that put up the biggest points in IDP because it's your guys that are getting tackles on every other play, but they aren't getting the recognition that the you know sack masters or the interception guys are getting. 100%. It's just another nuance. And I guess it depends on the scoring, right? How, much tack- how many points is a sack and how many points is a tackle? I mean, all that would really determine on who you get because at that point why would you get a guy that might get a sack versus a guy that you're not going to get double digit tackles every game exactly you know i guess it depends on the points it's just too much going on for me we only got waste time i, I never did it i think like you said i think i would love it it's some i mean i look into tackles and sacks and stuff like that but i think like you said it's like playing two two games you're playing already doing offense and having to do with defense and i think things fluctuate statistically right so you can have somebody who look at a roquan smith he's not going to always have 10 tackles a game or whatever this game is going to be negative and positive regression week to week right i don't i wouldn't do it okay kickers or defenses look i understand there's an element of luck or element of surprise or element of whatever you want to call it but as far as fantasy is concerned kickers and defenses just don't they don't move the meter for me i don't i don't there there's no need there's no there's no addition to the game it's just happenstance i would rather nuance play a role more than happenstance losing points because a kicker missed a kick that he should have missed based on where he was kicking it from 
it's just certain elements of kickers and defenses that I don't like. I, I know, Vander, you kind of have a, a different opinion. Joe, what's your opinion? We'll let Vander round it up. Uh, of course, I, I still like defenses, right? I think he still keeps the game competitive. It's still the element of special teams to it, and obviously touchdown, scoring touchdowns. Kickers, I just feel like with kickers, it's one of those things where it's a commonality. Hey, if I get the best guy, oh, I got the guy from Baltimore. Oh, I got uh, the guy from Kansas City. Oh, there it is. You know what I mean? Like game over. I'm about to get 16 to 20 points a game and it's going to be, you know, handy dandy. Whereas, you know, I mean, it's, it's I think it's just, I don't know. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm down to play whatever, but I'm not a fan of kickers as so much of defense. I like defenses because there's still a strategy to it, right? Some people do the waiver wire. Some people hoard defenses like I like to do. And it's, you know, there's more nuance to it. Like, oh, hey, you had... Three opportunities to get a good defense. You chose not to. That's your loss. Kicker. And I guess someone could say the same thing for the kicker, too. But my thing with the kicker is, why is a kicker the most insignificant person on the field that only comes out once every however many plays? Why does this guy have almost as many points as a quarterback? It don't. Well, I mean, I don't. I, it don't make sense. But this this my thing too, right? Because my, my argument to what you just said is that you have kickers who literally it's far fewer between the amount of kickers who kick two. Two, three field goals a game. It's only less than a handful of them that's going to do two, three a game. And if you're in a high power offense, you get an extra points off rip and then you kick in two or three. That's again, it, it leads you to only a couple of guys where a, t- a defense can vary week to week. As long as you got one that's, you know, above, you know, 15, you know, hopefully in the 12, you get a couple of 12 defenses, then you're right. It is a monopoly. But kicker is literally, if you get one of the best guys, which is like literally two or three of them, four of them, not even a handful. You better than everybody else. It's, it's, even if it's a variance, it's not by much. Whereas if you get a mid tier or whatever you left with, you just hoping they have a good week. Because if not, they're gonna be a dud, or it's gonna be one or two points. Well, you know that's the one thing about kickers, right? That's a misconception. I mean, of course, you got a guy like Tucker. He's one of the better kickers in the league. But just because you have the Kansas City Chiefs kicker, don't mean you got a good kicker in fantasy. Actually, that's the kicker I'll stay away from. You're thinking because they score a lot of points. Hey, I want the kicker for the team that scores the most points. No, that team is scoring six. That team is not getting three, right? So this team, you know, with Mahomes, they get down there, them boys get a touchdown. They're not coming away with three points. So it doesn't really help you in that aspect. I think a lot of people get caught up in that. They're thinking, oh, I got the Kansas City Chief, and he ends up only getting you five points, six points, because they scored five or six touchdowns, and that was it. He didn't get an opportunity to kick a field goal. So for that reason, I kind of like the kickers because it's a little mind game. It's a little strategy that comes with it. People haven't really figured it out. And you definitely want to get the kickers for teams that have a hard time getting in the end zone. Because you got a lot of teams in the NFL, they're good from 20 to 20. But once they get down there, you know, the field starts getting a little tighter, they can't quite come away with points. Those are the kickers that you value the most. Also, the big-legged kickers, because in most of these leagues, you're getting bonus points for, you know, 50-yarders. And even in a, and don't have a kicker that can kick 60. That may be a crazy bonus, you know what I mean? So... I don't mind the kickers, man. It's no different than defenses. Again. Especially like in the league that you just talked about, your kicker just outscored a quarterback. Like, that don't make sense. But again, how many times have we seen a defense outscore a quarterback? Many. I'll take you back. Not nearly as often as kickers. Yes. I'll take you back two years ago. Remember that time? That's my point. You got to go back two years ago. That's not a long. I'm just giving you a a quick example. 
Two years ago is not a long time ago, sir. Two years ago. I, last year, Kicker was outscoring quarterbacks weekly. No, but you have the same thing with defenses. It's no different. But I'm going to take you back two years ago when I'm trying to single out a team, not just find, you know, you can always find a defense that's going to outscore a quarterback every week. That's going to happen because you're going to have a quarterback that go out there and get you nothing, maybe get you 12 or 13. You're going to have a defense that score a touchdown, maybe even two, get some sacks, zero points, and then they're going to have 20, 25. But I'm going to take you back two years ago. Remember the New England Patriots? They was on a run. I mean, for like the first like five, six weeks of the season, these guys are scoring nothing less than 20 points at defense. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and they were just like – they was outscoring quarterbacks. That was, that, was, that was the year before Gilmore left, if I'm not mistaken. So I want to say it was maybe two. Could be three years at the max, but definitely two to three years ago. And that what they were doing. I mean, if you had that type of defense, you got that type of defense. I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind either or because I think it's just the element of surprise and also strategy because you're going to have the guys – that's stuck in their, their ways. They're going to grab a kicker at the, at the draft. They're going to grab a defense at the draft, and they're never going to switch them off. Then you have a guy like myself that's probably going to have a different kicker in defense every week because I'm playing the numbers. I'm playing the strategy, things of that nature. So I, I like it for that aspect, you know what I'm saying? Because if, you, if you're lazy, it's not going to work for you. So I like, I like any opportunity I can put in the game that's going to make somebody think and make somebody make a move and do something. So anything that adds that to the game, I'm for it. So with that being said, this is a great transition over to the next part here, waivers. We have a few different options for waivers. I'm in several different types of leagues, and I think just about all of them are deployed in some way or fashion. But you have wide open where it's just you can make pickups and drops as you like. You have your daily waivers where at a certain time each day, all of the um, claims that were put in are determined who gets what. That happens every day. You have your weekly waivers where there's one day out of the week where waivers run. And then after they run, it's wide open after that. So everyone kind of gets dibs for the guys based on what may have happened that week versus it happened to be instantaneous and kind of you having to just be the guy with the you know phone in your hand that day. It gives everyone an opportunity for first dibs and then it's wide open after that. And then you have the fab budget where you're given a certain amount of currency, whether it's a, a hundred, a thousand, whatever bucks you may have. And then it's like an auction. Somebody went off. I want them. You want them. We both start out with a hundred bucks. I'm willing to put 10 bucks on them. You willing to put 12, you get them. Or you don't have to put any bucks on them at all. But if anyone else put a dollar on them, you lose them. So there's kind of that element to it as well. Do you guys have a favorite or is there one that you particularly don't like i'm a wild wild west guy so what i tell you no waiver <laughs> wild open. that's all you know I'm, I'm saying hey first come first serve man i don't like waivers i mean the the, the the guy that isn't as interested or isn't as engaged he can always jump in front of you on any move you know what i'm saying he can wait till the whole day goes by in front of you because he didn't make and then no the moves. next day go by he's like oh hmm, what is this i'll take it and that's it. Hey, award me or reward me for being the guy on the on the trigger. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me be the first. To, I hit the trigger. I won. So I prefer the no waiver. Me personally, I, I, I like it like that. Like that makes everybody get up off their seat. You know what I'm saying? And, and be alert, in my opinion. But then again, I get it. You got some guys that maybe have to work on these particular days and they're not able to see things and they are at a disadvantage. I get that part. I love, I love the wide, the, the, the way Terry, wide being wide open. 
I feel you on that, but I, I can see both sides. We, we got a lot of buddies that are, you know, military or in law enforcement, things of that nature. Uh, several guys um, that, that are in leagues that I play with are in the federal corrections field. For 10 hours of their day, they don't have their phone. Um, so, you know, it, it's not a matter of not wanting to be engaged. So I can kind of see how you don't want to penalize people that are otherwise engaged. If it's a league where you have some people that are at a disadvantage due to what they do, I can kind of see that. And I wouldn't mind doing the fab budget if it isn't going to be wide open. But I hate the I can't do anything until tomorrow. I don't even like to play in those, honestly. But the fab budget, if you're going to do a waiver, I think is the most fair because it's gauging, well, how much do you want this person? How much do I want this person? And we both had the same opportunity. So it's not just a matter of who's the quickest. It's a matter of who wants the player more. And it's still a, a situation to whereas, let's say you have your waivers run on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever the case is. After that day, everything then goes to wide open. So it just kind of give everyone like first dibs of such and such just got injured. And then if you just happen to have your phone and then three people because of where, where, where they're working or they're at church or they're, you know, doing something, with the kid, whatever they're doing, sleeping, I don't know. Everybody has the opportunity to gauge how bad they want that particular guy. And then after that, everything's wide open. So I think that's kind of the most fair way to do it unless everyone agrees to wide open. But I hate the really restricted leagues as far as wave is concerned. I, I honestly now like, you know, first come, first serve, man. I, at first I was just like, you know, like, oh, I wanted it to be fair. Da, da, da. But then it's just like, and I get people, you know, in the service and all these different things. And look, I'm not trying to tell somebody who work a federal job or a military job to whip out their phone or whatever, but I make mine happen at work. I make mine happen putting the kid to sleep. <laughs> Maybe I'm a, I'm a fiend in that sense. I'm always finding time. No, I feel you. <laughs> but it's hard to find a whole group of people that are like that, though. So, I mean, you know. Because I, I, I agree with y'all for that same reason. Like, you you got the information. You know what I mean? You got all this in hand, it, all this matching up, and you want to act right now, and nobody acting on it. You should be entitled to that player first, not wait till, you know, it's on ESPN, it's on all these other syndications, it's on Twitter. It's on all these different platforms. And then somebody like, oh, I don't seen this several times. Let me finally act on this because it's not Wednesday or because they have wafer priority. You know, I think it is. I don't know. I, I like first come, first serve. But then I do have respect for people who can't be abreast of that information. But to all another thing is all good news and good news. So just because somebody got first dibs, if it's not the right read, it doesn't matter anyway. That's what I kind of like. It's, you know? And that's the thing, too. It can go both ways. So you can be, you know, first man up. But then you messed around and you dropped somebody that ended up being more valuable than the person you you, you added, or and, and especially with your shorter benches because you don't have the luxury of having a fall guy, if you will. Which is for me, I always have one or two fall guys. If a trade happens and someone has to make a drop or someone just does something stupid. I need to immediately be able to hop on and make a move versus having to think about it. So I already, either I already have an open roster spot or I have a fall guy that I'm immediately ready to say, yep, you gone because this person is now available. So, but yeah, um, penalties for inactivity. This is one of these things uh, within dynasty that you kind of might not think of if you're just starting up, but what do you do? When someone isn't responding to offers, aren't showing up, they're kind of making it a little bit more difficult for everyone else in the league that's trying to conduct their business to do so. How do you penalize that? 
at what point do you penalize it? Or is it just a to each his own type of situation as far as you guys are concerned? In the very beginning, when you first start in your league, it's probably going to take you a while to find the correct group of guys to have a league that's going to be a continuing league because you got to weed out these guys. Um, and uh, I was in, I'm in a league that's probably been going on about 15 years or so. That was the whole basis of it all. Hell, if you're not even good, we don't want you in the league. So it's not even about showing up. Right. <laughs> if, you, if you're just not right. good, like this dude don't know what he's doing, we don't want you in the league. We want the strongest guys that we can have in the league, with the most competitive, you know, leagues that, you know, that's how we want to do it. So it's probably going to take you a while to weed out the guys who's actually know what they're doing, who's good and who's active. So you're going to have some bumps in the beginning if you're starting a league. Uh, but once you get going, then it doesn't really – it won't be a problem at that point. But in the beginning, it's going to take a while. And a lot of times you may have to you know, switch out a guy at the end of the season because it's kind of hard to find a new owner sometimes in the middle of the season that's going to really be engaged because they're just picking up a team that they really don't have no no ties to or it's not their baby, right? So, But I guess in a dynasty league, you kind of – you may want to give a little more of a grace period because it is the off season. Uh, but when the season is on, you definitely need guys um, – you need guys engaged all year long, to be honest with you. And when like, we say if, if you're gonna if you if you're gonna do redraft, do redraft. But if it's dynasty, it's dynasty. Yeah, so you need I mean, to be engaged you know. all year long. And, and and you don't have to say, hey guys, how are you doing? I don't really care for that. But at the same time, if someone's if someone reaches out to you, respond. You know, if someone sends you an offer, decline it, accept it. I just don't like the guys that ignore you or they read something that you sent and say nothing back. Or you sent a trade and it's been right. sent for three days. Like those are dudes. I just, I, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, again, if you don't like it, you should just decline it. And I can, you know, that person can move on to the next person. I move on, and maybe you send even got to say nothing. Yeah, you don't have to say anything. Just decline it. You know, you don't have to say. And, and you don't have to send a counter, but at least decline it. I mean, yeah, something. you do not have to counter anything. Just say no, it's not for me. Boom. You, or don't say it. Hit the decline button will show that's not for you, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but the guys that just leave you hanging is i just don't i'm not a fan of it all i think dynasty is one of those things where it's like dating you know what i mean like you got like people say they want to do it you know they want to go they want to go through the, the phases right and, but when it comes to reality of it you know it's not redraft and i think that's the thing it's just like when you go into dynasty to your point it's like you like to say like you said all those things are all valid right we're not saying be active be chatterboxes trade every day all these different things but it's a it's a level of decorum, right? Like I said, like if you send a trade, decline the counter, you know what I mean? Those little subtleties that go a long way, but also be active. I think the biggest pet peeve for me is like we have people who have a redraft mentality but play in Dynasty. And it's not the same window. Like it's easy to, to go from September to, to February, you know what I mean, or January. That's easy. When you got to construct something with, you know, that's going to be – in February, March, you know, April, down to August, and even into the beginning of March and September before you finalize your strategy and how you're going to go about that season, it's more nuanced than that. And I think that's that's my pet peeve when it's like, okay, you that guy who don't want to respond and don't want to do all these different things, but your team is whack. <laughs> you thinking about next year, like we got, so we know, we know several people who like that. Like, oh, right. I'm not going to make a trade. I'm so scared to make a trade. I'm going to wait till next year. Like, dude, what's the, then why are you here? You could have did redraft. And no, 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 no. Work. I'm going to tell you what's more aggravating. Oh, I, I see your trade. Let me think about it. It's been two days. Like, what do, what do you think about? How can I help you <laughs> help us? Like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah, we, 
We know somebody who did that to somebody, and that was horrible, man. He's like, look, oh, I'll th- think about we, it. We're we, we going to know if he listened to this episode, because he's going to cuss both of us out if he do. I ain't going to say his name, <laughs> but if he listened to this episode, he's going to say that was something. <laughs> My man was waiting for two weeks, yo. That, that was horrible, man. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. Just be responsive. I look at it the same as I look at social media. You know what I'm saying? You found 10 minutes to be on Facebook. You can find five minutes to, you know, check out and see if you, you got mail. That That's basically what it's the worst. See, see if you got any likes. See if you, you know what I'm saying? That's all you Yo, check. That, those are the, now, those are dudes that I really despise. Like, I sent you a deal. I sent you a trade. Your your rebuttal is always, man, I be busy, this, this, and that. Cool. But you but post again, all day. You go on Facebook <laughs> and they got everything. They on everybody's post. They got something to say. I'm like, Man, that little two minutes, you could right. you know, hit decline on this thing. You know or what I'm saying? No. This thing. I'm cool with that. Right, like, don't, so, look, come on now. Yeah, I can't <laughs> stand those dudes, man. Jeez. All right, so we got two more things to consider here. First up, best way to make changes when needed. In some cases, you've already started a dynasty or maybe you're, you're in a redraft and a particular situation or circumstance arises that you didn't foresee and a rule may need to be changed created or certain nuances may need to be considered, especially when you're talking about dynasty. So how do you go about making these changes when needed? Some things I feel like just, hey, commish, make a decision. Other things I feel like they should be voted on. Some things I feel like it depends on where we are. Is it the off season? Are we in season and we're making the decision on, you know, it could be things ranging from this person isn't making any moves. How many weeks before they're replaced or should the commission, if they see that, you know, someone's on a buy or something like that, should whatever the player that's supposed to score the most points should be automatically added. So that way it's fair to all those that are in a real competition with an actual opponent that's paying attention to what's going on. So they just don't get a freebie. These are things that you got to consider hopefully beforehand. But if you didn't consider it beforehand, say for instance, how many weeks can someone go without touching their team or visiting the chat or responding to uh, offers, things of that nature before they're deemed as being inactive? And what is that penalty going to look like? How many before they're booted out of the league altogether? There are a lot of different things to consider. What do we do when we feel like there may be an instance of collusion someone makes a trade that didn't make sense followed by the guy that got the shorter end of the stick no longer being a part of the league didn't foresee that happening what do you do how do you make sure that when changes are needed the process is fair to all those considered and does that change when money's on the line versus when it's just a you know friends and family type of a league one week is too long if you went a whole because you gotta say right after the monday game you got a whole week in order to update your roster so what i mean like is if you play against a guy and you don't have you haven't even you got injured players in there or you got guys on a body that's in there you went a whole week without even look at this team that's already long enough for you not to be in this league i'm in and i do not want the commissioner to go in and put your guys because that's not cool because at that point someone else is running the team it's not even fair to the guy that he's playing against hey if my opponent don't want to play a quarterback this week that's on him, but don't put his quarterback in the starting position. Nah, no, that's up. That's for him to do. So this week, I, he might have missed out. I might have got. I might have got off on him. You know what I'm saying? But it's not fair. I think for someone to 
hit a master button and go inside and then because at that point you're putting the guys that you think should be in there you're now managing the team uh one week is, is long enough for me. one week is long enough for me as far as uh i feel you on that somebody not being present because you got six days in order just to make a move and, and do something so you didn't have 30 seconds in six days you're in the wrong league brother and that's fine but you shouldn't be in this league you know what i'm saying so that's kind of where i'm at with it I don't, I don't really have the – I'm not a guy of excuses because I'd be on vacation. I've been in South Africa adjusting my team. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't let it – something saying, hey, this is going to stop me from adjusting my team or whatever. Like no matter if I'm on vacation, whatever. I didn't been in the air on a flight and I'm just – like whatever it takes. I mean because I do this not only for me but for the rest of the guys. You know what I'm saying? It's because it's fair for everybody else. I don't want to be the person that's coming in short in this league. You know what I mean? So for that reason, one week is enough for me. At, but at the, And also another thing you said when it comes to major changes maybe need to be made at the end or beginning of the seasons. I don't think you, it's hard to make a major change in the middle of the season uh, because it just seems like it's too much on the fly. And people don't really like on the fly when it comes to a major change. So those things may need to be voted on or he's presented to these uh, these GMs at the beginning or the end of the season. Yeah, really good points, man. And I agree. I feel like, you know, I mean, we can't do a job for somebody else. That I think that's short and sweet. That's self-explanatory. And I'm glad you, you went as far as to kind of put in perspective how far you've gone. I'm quite sure we all got crazy. We got I mean, that's the top of the, the stories. Right. But even on a regular level, we all we make these commitments like some whether it's paid or not. Like, you know what I mean? It's all competitive. So I feel like if you're not going to put that set aside that time, and you know, like you said, what is 30 seconds? What is a couple minutes out of your day? Just looking at it, see somebody questionable, somebody doubtful. You get notifications on if you you know if you can't have one app without the other, right? So you get your notifications if your players out. You get all those things like what's this so you know difficult with being abreast to that information? You know, honestly, I, I always every year I already know in my head. All right, I got two leagues in me. It's like spades, right? I got I know I got four leagues in me, and I don't go over that many leagues that I can commit myself to. Cause I know like. Like you said, uh, man, like you don't want to let nobody down. Like you gotta do your part. So it's times I'm in five, six, seven. It's times I'm in two, like you know, three. But like you said, it's just upholding that commitment. And so being active is it's not important, but it's just you know, what are you in it for? Like if you just in it to like, eh, I'm bored. Go get a board game. You know what I'm playing? Play Madden. You know what I mean? You can do franchise by yourself. And you can make your own fantasy draft and do all that stuff. Like you know what I mean? So you you on your own time, but. You know, everybody takes it seriously. Some are more competitive, but I think you just gotta respect. You don't know what somebody's level of competitive, you know, you know, competitiveness is. So I think you gotta always come into wanting to win, having a desire to win, and respecting people's time. As far as like changes, I think I agree. Like I think it's that happy medium. So before the season and not into the season. So like I like just like how NFL, right? You know, after the season, a few months. At the owners meeting, they kind of talk about what rules and stuff they want to implement. I like that same strategy. So because, you know, nothing's we can vote on it. We can talk about it. But at the same time, we not it's not something that's so close to the regular season that people got to deviate from what they're trying to do or what they was going to do. And it's not into the season where everybody's adjusting on the fly or benefit one person. So I like, you know, so some some ways after the season voting on some of the changes we want to make. 
That's what I, I, I've been like. Worst place trophy slash punishments, whether it be redraft or whether it be dynasty. And also first place accolades or trophies, whatever the case may be, in our longstanding league, pretty straightforward, uh, straight cash. <laughs> but how you guys feel on the, the, the rewards for the greatness and the rewards for the uh, mediocrity as far as leagues are concerned? I love it all. Uh, I like the money leagues, of course. I like the embarrassment leagues as well I'm all, I'm all for it all you know what I'm saying um, I've seen leagues where the guy who comes in last get like a toilet bowl trophy so I'm all for it all anything as far as embarrassment anything as far as money funds trophies belts rings I love it all man it's all fun yeah same here like I, I like I like all of them it's honestly you know it's always my dream and I always wanted to do a dynasty like a buy-in with dynasty I would really like something like that. That'd be all it'd be different from redraft, but I prefer all of them. I like I like the ones like um like where somebody gotta do something crazy. I, I'm a fan of all of them haven't been in one. I like the, the trophy sound nice, all of that stuff sound nice. I think, but you know, when it's money is different. I don't know what it is about money. Maybe cause it's like one of those things where it's like you took something from everybody. It's like that's what like I was gonna say. Game. It's like a dice game. You just, you know, <laughs> like you snatching twenty off the floor. Like shit. But I love it. It's exhilarating playing for money. And honestly, I think that's my focus, right? Like we play stuff casually. It's like you just try. Like I be trying stuff out. I be like, oh, let me do this on a Tuesday. When it's money, oh nah, bro. Every- <laughs> It's a whole different beast. So I love money out of all of them. So for me, I, I like the combination. So the bit for me, the big money leagues asses team to be a little bit tight. It's it's a little bit of a more different vibe when in, in your big money leagues. I'm cool with them. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but it's just not quite as active. People have a little bit more reticence and fear to make moves. So for me, I would rather have the reminder that I can point out to you. When you start talking trash, I can just say, hey, well, based on the plaque on the wall or based on the rings on my hand or based on the belt around my waist, you talk a good game, but I play a better one. There's also that aspect of it that lasts forever. You know, money is a nice, you know, second place. I agree with you, Joe, that the leagues where it's neither, you get to kind of hone your skills and refine things because you don't have to be worried about the outcome. Although, obviously, in all of them, you're trying to win, but you can kind of play a little bit faster and loose. Um, you might make a trade here or there that you see the path that you're going that is a little bit less than traditional, but you know exactly what you want to do. So you're willing to you know, take a risk that you wouldn't put money on. But because there is no money involved, hey, let's do it for the fun, fun of it. You get a little bit more of that in those type of leagues. Um, but that pretty much covers it for this week. Did I miss anything, guys? Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, unless there's a tell from a dynasty. If, if there's something particular that you want to talk about, absolutely we can no, do No, I do have a question, though. Sure. The NFL draft is on the 27th. Right. 27, and, 28, 29. Oh, okay. And when is the uh, rookie draft in the league? I believe the 30th. Okay. Okay, cool. But, well, but you know what, though? In one of my leagues, it's the 30th, and then in another one, it's that following week. Yeah. That's why I didn't understand so, why it was so far out from the regular. Because in our league, I think it's a little further out. Yeah, because I, I didn't want to do them all on the same day. It was a, a few other dynasties that I already had set dates to, but th- that date is is movable. And, and, like, and again, we're talking three rounds, and this ain't nothing you got to be sitting right. in front of a computer for. You can, right. you can definitely do it from your mobile device or whatever, but more than willing to have that discussion and figure out what... So, Case in point, 
a change that may need to be made how do we go about <laughs> you see what i'm saying so as things right. come about it may be big or small but you figure out what's best for the league it'll probably be something that we you know put up to a vote and then put you know the times in the day or whatever something like that because if you were planning for the date that was already there and then it gets switched up and you aren't going to be available that's not fair either so case in point um <laughs> These are the type of things that may come up and you got to have a fair process to do what's best for all parties considered. Yeah, we'll definitely look into that. But that pretty much wraps it up for this week. We out.